RadioInfluence.com. Why, Crusher, it's good to see you. You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 10-1260 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. And welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Crushell, and we're your weekly source for performance information. Hey, it's going to be a really, really positive show today. I mean majority of all of our shows are positive we're looking to get solutions to problems and we're trying to steer people down the right direction but today i'm really excited about this because listen as we head into this summer the light at the end of the covid tunnel is right there in our grasp if things go well we're going to be looking at a fairly regular summer and hopefully a normal sporting landscape this fall And that's why I'm so excited today. We are going to be talking off-season preparation for hockey. In the ebb and flow of the regular sporting landscape, we would be heading into a serious part of our off-season training for our hockey players. But in the absence of an entire competitive season and then some because of the COVID madness, we're in unprecedented times. And listen to me carefully. We cannot go into this summer operating the same way we normally would. And a a shot of caution across the bow as we get vaccinated and we return to normal and get back to the regular things we would normally do. Ice times are going to open. Gyms are going to open. Sport is going to get back to normal. I'm cautioning everybody not to jump back in as as if it were just a regular day because it's not, especially when it comes to return to play. What are the consequences? of missing an entire competitive season, regardless of what sport you're in. Ladies and gentlemen, what are the consequences of missing that season? Now, listen, we've talked a lot on this show about the potential upside of not having scheduled sport, being able to get away from competition and build those attributes as an athlete that are going to make you a better player. And then focusing on the technical, tactical side of your game that are going to help you have better sporting outcomes to make you more valuable, more competitive, and to help you on your your pathway in sport, whatever that might be, whether you're a weekend warrior, you know, looking to get a personal best, or whether you're a high school athlete trying to make that varsity team or get a college scholarship, whether you're a college athlete, you know, trying to make that starting lineup or get a pro contract, or whether you're a pro athlete chomping at the bit to get back at it. Right? We cannot address this potential offseason, this, this summer session, this summer training phase, the same way we always have. We just can't. And today, we're going to talk with two experts about exactly that. We're going to be joined by Joel Jackson, strength and conditioning coach at Competitive Thread. Competitive Thread does a lot of cool things for hockey players. On-ice testing is one of their specialties. But they really do work with the athletes, pointing out areas where they can focus and develop to help improve performance. And then we're going to talk to our good friend, Doug Crashley, founder of Crash Conditioning down in Calgary, Alberta. You can check out their great information at crashconditioning.com. Doug and his team work with hockey players at every level of the game, and they have some really, really cool takes on athlete development over time. And they've been in the hockey game for a long time, so I'm looking forward to that conversation. And Joel just published a great article. It's called Moving On Up, Stair Conditioning for Hockey Players. It was published on the Strength and Conditioning Association for Professional Hockey website. 
which was a great honor. But it is a fascinating look at the different ways hockey players can train off of the ice. And you have to do this. Hockey's one of those funny games where, yes, the conditioning, you can really get in shape on the ice playing hockey, but you have to prepare for the game. We'll talk to both Doug and Joel about training the athlete to be a better player. And you have to address that. And that's why this this summer off-season phase is so important to get off the ice and prepare yourself for the game. You can still work on some technical, tactical things on the ice, whether it's your skating, stride, stick work, your shot, positioning, technical, tactical work, right? You can work that in, but you have to address yourself as an athlete off the ice. And it's not just for hockey. Every single sport requires an athlete side and a player side. And they're two different areas, but they work together and they support each other right? Developing the athlete to be a better player is a critical part of sport development. Unfortunately, it is greatly neglected in the landscape. We overcompete everybody. And that's kind of why we're looking at this COVID downtime and trying to look at, could there be some positives that come out of this? Getting away from this overpacked, overcompete schedules that we put our athletes in. I think, honestly, when we get back to it, we're going to see a massive, a massive jump in the talent levels, provided that we use this time to work on ourselves as athletes and also really hone in on our technical, tactical games. That's one of the potential upsides of this COVID downtime that we just went through, and we called it the COVID technical advantage. So if you've been working on your athletic ability, your speed, strength, power, agility, reaction time, and your conditioning, your aerobic and anaerobic conditioning, which are critical for recovery, in case you didn't know. It's one of the most powerful tools you can have is being in really good shape. Now, not everybody needs to be a marathoner. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking relative to your sport. That's why we did, you know, we tested VO2 max for our hockey players. You know, if the VO2 max is too low, and that's a VO2 max is just a measure of how well your body uses oxygen, all right? And how it's, it gives us an idea of how the energy systems are working. But if your VO2 max is low, all right, it's a good indicator that you have some work to do. You're not in a, a really good place to, you know, strive and be ready for the game of hockey. You don't have to be a Nordic cross-country skier or a marathoner, as I mentioned, but you have to have a strong base of cardiovascular fitness. You do in baseball as well. People don't think you need to be in shape for baseball. Forget about it. If you look at the top players in that game, they are in great shape. Stud status. I have ran with those guys and I have programmed for those guys. And I can tell you this, the best players in sport recover the best. And one of the best weapons for recovery is being in cardiovascular shape for your sport. It's critical for recovery, so keep that in mind. All right, I'm really looking forward to today's show. If you have any questions, comments, smart remarks, write to us, info at Crush Performance. Follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Crush, and on all other social media platforms, search out Crush Performance. When we come back, we're going to talk to Joel Jackson about off-season conditioning for hockey later in the show. Doug Crashley from Crash Conditioning. Stay tuned, everybody. Let's get set for the return of sport right after this on Crush Performance. Find out what it takes to be a top performer. Get the Crush blog, podcast, and newsletter at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. 
And welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Cruschel, and we are your weekly source for performance information. Hey, if you want to reach out, you have a question, comment, smart remarks, we love them all. If you have a topic or if you actually need some help with something, here's what I can promise you. If we don't have the answer, we probably know somebody that does have that answer or somebody we know will know somebody. We will get you that answer and we answer every single message we get. So do reach out. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crushperformance is our email. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush and search out Crush Performance on social media. We can hook up there as well. All right, today is a very positive show. Things are looking up on the sporting front. We're getting through this COVID madness and we're heading into what looks like a fairly regular summer in our new normal landscape. All that being said, it looks like there will be a regular sporting season this fall, fingers crossed, if all goes well. But let's prepare our minds for that. Let's get set as if we're going into a competitive season. And that might not be as simple as we think. We've missed a year and a half of competitive sport. Today, we are talking off-season hockey and everything the hockey world needs to be thinking about as we do head into a new season coming off of this COVID madness. We're joined now by crush favorite, Joel Jackson, strength and conditioning coach at Competitive Thread. Joel, so great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us this time of year. Jeff, buddy, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, really, really excited. Hey, listen, uh, the main theme of this conversation today, of course, we're talking about getting ready in an unprecedented time for hockey players. You know, after missing an entire competitive season, uh, we have a, a summer opportunity to get ready for what we're hoping is going to be a pretty normal season. Uh, but I, and I couldn't help but uh, really get fired up about your article called Moving On Up, Stairs, Stair Conditioning for Hockey Players. It was published in the uh, Strength and Conditioning Association of Professional Hockey's website. It's a great, great article. And I think it's a, it's a, really, it's a really good read for anybody who's involved in hockey at any level. Yeah, definitely. And, and, uh, you know, if, if there's a few of your listeners that, that want to read it, hopefully they can find it out there because I definitely do a bit of a, a tip of the cap to Edmonton and, uh, it's beautiful river Valley and, and all the great spots that we have to run stairs. They are an amazing place to do conditioning, you know, for a hockey player, any athlete, really any general population person just to keep themselves fit. But uh, I absolutely love them. Yeah, it, it's so right. And what a great mode of training, especially when you have those stairs around to get outside and, and train. Hey, Joel, you've been around the game for a long, long time in the area of athlete development and athlete preparation. Let's start here because we are in an unprecedented time. And for me personally, I, I just I can't help but have this feeling uh, of, of urgency here. We're stepping into hopefully what's going to be a pretty good summer in terms of the covid madness that we've all been dealing with. But we'll hopefully be heading into a fairly normal hockey season in the fall. And I can't help but be a little worried that we've missed an entire season. And, and, and that's going to have a massive impact from our grassroots right up to our developmental guys, to our national college and our pro guys. Uh, it's a little different landscape. We have to think about this a little differently, don't we? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And it's you know it's it's uncharted territory too, where you know there there's been a, a, a such an extended break in competition for for all these kids at at all different levels, right? So I guess there's not really any way to predict of what the what the effects are going to be of it. But at the same time, like from from what I saw from a lot of different programs and a lot of different coaches out there, everybody was doing a lot of good work during 
the COVID time and, and rolling with the punches and, and dealing with the shutdowns and still trying to get on the ice as much as they possibly could. And, you know, and I know in my scenario at the university uh, with the, with the pandas and bears hockey teams, as well as all the other uh, programs that I work with, including volleyball, wrestling and swimming, I, you know, I tried to get them in the gym more because it's the perfect opportunity to kind of give them that an extended off season and, and really spend some time on some of the things that uh, were identified that athletes needed to work on. But um, yeah, at, at the same time, you know, going into the summer and the upcoming months here, I, I think one of the biggest things that hockey players can do is, is try to get on the ice maybe a little bit more than what they have in the past summer if the opportunity opportunities there. And, uh, you know, that's not to say you should be out there every day and, and things like that, because that could lead to, you know, issues that you've probably talked about on this show before, as well as kind of overuse things. But, you know, if they could get on the ice a little bit more and, and maybe get in a kind of a couple different game situations, it probably wouldn't be a bad thing for them. And, and then that side, you could, ease off on the conditioning off the ice a little bit. And the other thing that I was thinking about lots and I, and I kind of suggested to a few of my, um, my university players is, is to try to watch a little bit of video. If you, if you have that available to you, where, you know, if you, if you have some video of games that you played and, um, you know, ideally probably some of the, the games that were your better performances to watch some video and, and see what you were doing out there in a game and try to get in that mindset, because I think that's going to be one of the biggest things, right? Is they, you haven't got into that com- competition mindset in, a, in quite some time. So that might be one of the, the things that will be more difficult when it actually comes time to, to flip the switch. Right. Oh, Joel Jackson, you are preaching to the <laughs> choir, my friend, preaching to the choir, my friend. I'm telling you right now, two major things right there in that in those comments. Number one is the athlete side. There is a distinct and very important difference between the athlete side and the player side. And we have to prepare as an athlete for the game. And you're right. We have had maybe an unprecedented as, as challenging as, the, as these times have been. We've had an unprecedented opportunity to address things on the athlete side that we wouldn't have normally gotten to in a, in an, in a normal competitive landscape. So it could be really, really exciting. You know, Joel, uh, prior to the year here in sort of the midst of the COVID madness, we did a two part series called the kids of COVID looking at our seniors in high school athletes and just kids in general. I mean, what a disruption to such an important time in life, right? In terms of development and experience, we also talked about um, the disruption to our our semi-pro or just amateur athletes who are on the cusp of, you know, getting that college scholarship or that first pro contract or they're in their first or second year of pros. Man, you know, taking advantage of this time is a real challenge because you kind of feel like you're missing something. But we had a couple great conversations there. And one of the things that came out of it was the fact that, hey, as you mentioned, Joel, um, if we if we use this downtime properly, we could see what we're looking for is a an incredible COVID technical advantage. If we've addressed the things that we wouldn't normally address in a competitive landscape. So it could be really exciting on the other side, but uh, we also have to make sure that after missing a season of competition, we've got to be prepared for that game level speed, which is almost impossible to prepare for unless you're doing it right. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and that's like one thing, you know, like I, I know there's been a handful of, uh, of some of the youth teams that that still were able to play some games, right? So um, with with some of those, it might be interesting to see where maybe if there was a little bit of a, a lull on their games and more time spent in, in actual development on the ice, practicing, learning different things, that kind of stuff. If it ends up being 
a benefit for them. You never know, right? So, you know, time will tell when they get back into it. But it's actually interesting too, Jeffrey, you you mentioned the different situations with seniors in high school and and you know how how it's affected different different age groups. And I've talked about this with a couple of friends and a couple of people at the university. And I think one of the you know the the group that I feel for the most is the the 20 year old junior player that was going in to play Canadian university hockey the next year where they've had, they had their 20 year old last season, a junior cut short. And then most of them didn't get to play a single game in their first year of university. And I think back to, to when I played, those were two of probably the funnest years of my life. Right. So it's like you, you have those taken away from you and it's like, Oh, it's just, it's heart wrenching. I, I feel for those guys so much. And, and those girls as well, like the, the girls side, it was a very similar situation for some of the recruits that came in for the pandas. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I really hope that, you know, we could get back into the, this year and, and they can kind of treat that this upcoming 21, 22 season as, as kind of their first year and, and really dig in and have some fun. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking with Joel Jackson, strength and conditioning coach with competitive thread uh, testing. Um, Joel, yeah, no, that is a real important conversation. We do have to, you know, give these kids their due because they've they've have gone through things that while well, we've never experienced. So uh, hats off to everybody who's making it happen. And I can't wait for this next competitive year. Now, that being said, you also mentioned something that is uh, also dear to our hearts, and that's the mental side of the game. We have this series going on. One of our major themes here in 2021 is called the Crush Brain Game. Joel, we're really trying to work to better understand the entire scope of brain function in sport and development and performance. It's much, much more than just psychology and what we would call the mental game. There's perception, decision making, reaction times. And then there's the flow, ebb and flow of development there as well. But that point that you made about watching videos and getting into the sort of that competitive mindset that is an all powerful tool. And it's something that everybody could be doing right now. Even if young kids are just watching the NHL playoffs and, and just looking at what the players are doing and trying to maybe think why that happened or why that happened or why a player did that can really, really set you up for some success. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, and yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head there where it's like, you know, some of them might not have video of themselves playing or, you know, I, I think a lot more than in the past that that that's probably a real thing where even younger kids will have some video, but yeah, watching NHL games and, you know, even, you know, picking a player that plays the same position of you and just watching them for their entire shift and seeing what they do when they're away from the puck and, you know, not just following the play and, and that type of thing. Yeah. I, I think it could be very, very valuable to really, you know, try to get, get into that mindset and just think the game, see how some of the best people in the world do when they're out there and, and that type of thing. So, yeah, I think it could definitely be very valuable in a situation like this where you haven't had the chance to get on the ice and, and be in that real competitive atmosphere. And, and just like you said, too, it's like that most of the times I feel that's probably one of the biggest parts about it, right? Where, you know, it's how you approach it in that, that kind of in, inverted you uh, theory on, on your, uh, your, your level of, uh, anxiety coming into the game where it needs to be just right. And you see guys like Carey Price. I saw somebody uh, mentioned how he was uh, a story about him, how he was yawning in the gold medal game when they won in Canada. <laughs> right. Right? So, yeah, so, right. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, that, you know, it, that's hard to wrap your head around how somebody could be that calm, but you know, obviously that's why he's one of the best goaltenders in the world. Right. So it's, yeah. uh, it's cool to think of. 
Yeah, he's kind of framed it up as another day at the office. Just, you know, and that's the yeah. sort of level that he... Yeah, really good point, Joel. Really good for sure. Yeah. So, no, it's a really exciting time and the weather's breaking here. And of course, uh, NHL playoffs roll on and it's the off season for most players. And let's get to your article here. Moving on up. Stair conditioning for hockey players. Look, stairs, if you have them available, it is a great, great training tool. But there is actually a method to the madness, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, 100%, right? And I, I think I was guilty of this earlier on in my career when I first started using them. And, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of times people will just get out there and just go, right? Just go as hard as they can up and down for 20, 30 minutes or whatever it is. And and that's good. That That is an awesome workout. And it definitely fills in the aerobic bucket, you know, if that's something that you need to work on. But there's, there's so much more you can do on them in terms of, uh, you know, anaerobic focused work and repeated sprintability focused work work and, and speed work and jumping plyometrics type of stuff. So they're, they're very, very versatile. Right. And we, and like, as I mentioned earlier, we're so fortunate to have uh, so many different options in the city to, to use and, and some great views from them and always great to do on a nice summer day. Yeah. And the one thing I really like about uh, the stairs, Joel, and, and this is for all age groups is it is a great just a variable in training, right? I mean, it's not, you know, some of the younger kids, we have to be incredibly cautious about when they get into the weight room, how much weight they're lifting. And we, you know, we've sort of made some massive errors collectively. I'm talking about in the hockey world, forget about that, the sporting world, rushing young athletes into the weight room to do things they might not be ready for, or, or that doesn't really serve them well in the, in the developmental spot they're in right now. The thing I love about stairs is, for athletes at virtually any level, it's a great way to prepare safely for the game. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Oh, for sure, man. For sure, Jeff. Yeah. It's it's there's the unique part part about it, and I and I think I kind of mentioned this in the conclusion of the article where it's it's a combination of you know aerobic work or you know, that cardio cardiovascular type of work that you're getting from it, but the the amount of muscle contraction that you're you're doing when you're ascending and then descending the steps, right? You have those concentric muscle contractions as you ascend, and then you're repeatedly eccentrically, eccentrically contracting as you go down. So I think there's like a big combination of muscular strength and endurance work that goes along with it that you're not going to see from bicycle uh, running swimming any type of other modality that that's what really makes it unique and i think in a lot of ways when you're saying with the younger population it's a, it's a great way to kind of introduce them to a bit of resistance training off the bat and actually get their their lower body strength and their lower body muscular endurance kind of up to a a certain point and give them a bit of a base prior to them stepping into the weight room and doing a little bit more demanding exercise in that environment yeah, for sure. And and let's face it, man, you get out there with a couple of buddies, you can have a heck of a good time too. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, one of my, one of my favorite things to do with my, with my training groups in the summers. And I know typically it was, uh, Wednesday afternoons, Wednesday mornings where, uh, you know, earlier on in the off season, we would get a big group out and, and get on there. And, and even this season too, like with their, with there being some shutdowns where, 
you know, we couldn't have any indoor training, but we were still allowed to do outdoor training. We got on the stairs a lot more during some of the milder winter months too. And yeah, it's, it's great. It's just a, it's a, it's a great workout. Um, you know, like I said, getting outside and getting in the sun, there's, there's something to be said for that too, but yeah, there's, there's so many positives to it. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking with Joel Jackson, strength and conditioning coach for competitive thread. Hey, you could see his great article moving on up stair conditioning for hockey player. Just go to pro hockey strength.com. They published it there. That's the strength and conditioning association for professional hockey. And it is a great read. It, 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 it does get some sciencey in there, but it, it is fantastically interesting. And Joel, one of the things I really appreciated right off the start, you know, there's been so much work done looking at the speed transfer of dry land speed training to on ice speed training. And I think without question, you know, there's a huge benefit there. Even if your skating stride isn't optimum, um, the the off ice stuff that you do to prepare for the game one can have a significant impact on helping you reduce injuries and and sort of uh, um, uh, offset some of the sports specific demands that we see from the game of hockey. Uh, but there's a huge crossover there. And, and one of the things that I like is uh, the fact that you have found some biomechanical similarities to skating in the stairs. And, and one of the big things I think you mentioned there that that I'd really like to emphasize is the descent. Going up is one thing, but you also have to go down properly. Right. And 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 all this stuff was just incredibly interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, no, that like you said, the descent and like the 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 unique part of the the muscle contraction that is required to run them is something that can definitely be a, a huge transfer to hockey. And then you know the the other thing with like the contact times and you know uh, that was a big like aha moment for me when I when I first learned this about hockey where and this is a bit technical, but like when, when somebody's running on land, so just a hundred meter sprinter, as they reach max speed, their ground contact times are longer as they start. So when they're accelerating their ground contact time, ta- contact times are longer. And then as they reach max speed, they get shorter and shorter and shorter, right? So the, the most elite sprinters in the world are about, you know, 0.8 of a second, like in terms of their contact times and their max speed. And then, for a hockey player, it's the, it's the opposite, right? So when they, when they start in their acceleration phase, their contact times on the ice are short. And then as they reach maximal speed, it gets longer and longer, right? And their, your contact times on, as a skater are similar to what you would see somebody that's like a brisk walk outside, right? So obviously putting a lot more force into the ice than something like that. But there's a way you can mirror that on the stairs. And I talked about that a little bit in this article where, you know, if you start, in one step at a time. So running one step at a time, your ground contact times are short. And then if you transition to two steps at a time, they get longer and then transition to three steps at a time, it gets even longer, right? So that's another unique part about it where I think, you know, I've talked to a few different other strength and conditioning coaches that I, that I respect. And, and I, and I don't know if there's, if there's a lot there yet, it's a very interesting concept, but just the fact that taking the three steps at a time gives you a ground contact time that is very similar to max speed skating is something that makes it very, very applicable for doing speed work on those stairs, right? So you have to, uh, an environment where your 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 foot contact is as about as long as it is for the skating stride and you have that extended period of time to develop force which is similar to what you're going to see with the skating so um again it, it probably will be explained a little bit better by people reading it so hopefully that's not uh you know too out there but it's definitely uh, a few different things that 
make it as a similar mode of exercise to skating. And then the other kind of freedom you have with a lot of these stairs around the city and like some of them that have been recently renovated. So those ones that are Grandview Fox Drive, they just redid them. They opened up in the fall of 2020, I think, but they're really, really wide now. So that can give you the opportunity to make a little bit more of like a lateral focus on your steps, right? So if you're sprinting, you can do more of a side to side, get in the frontal plane, something that's similar to skating as well, where you have that external internal rotation of the hip and the abduction adduction of the lower leg and and there's a lot of different things a lot of different strategies strategies that you can use to target the the same movements the same muscle tissue that you that you need to use in skating yeah no really interesting stuff and no joel i think that was a fantastic description and you know whether you're up to date and whether you're a scientist and get into all the science or not um, if you're running those stairs, as you mentioned, you know, one step, two steps, three steps, some things are just going to naturally happen, right? Your body will, will, will self-correct and self-regulate to make it happen. And so without getting in deep, deep in or, or not even knowing the science, you're going to be doing some great things as an athlete and for your athletes. And, and, and it all comes down to that, you know, kind of. Uh, the biomechanics side that we talked about, but the joint angles and range of motion and the similarities between the two. Uh, you've got some great videos attached to that to that article as well. So we're really encouraging anybody involved, anybody involved in sport, but certainly in the game of hockey to go on to that prohockeystrength.com to check out the article and watch the videos. Um, you know, when you talk about amplitude and direction of movement, there's some great variations you can add into your training as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that that's that that piece kind of towards the end too, where I go into the dynamic correspondence, which is like a, a, a the scientific term for for sports specificity, right? So it's like there and there's five different categories that I go into in terms of how you can apply that and compare skating skating to stair running. So so yeah, no, it was uh, it was a fun article to do. It took me a, it took me a long time and I did a lot of research on it, but it was it was something that I, I had the idea for and I wanted to do for a while. So uh, so yeah, I definitely hope a few people can read it because I, I think they'll get a lot out of it. No, for sure, it's a great addition to the landscape out there, Joel, and I think it's going to get a beyond hockey is going to get a lot of people thinking about you know the the type of training you're doing because there's consequences to the training you're doing right and the more purpose it has um, it doesn't always need to be sport sport hyper specific but the more meaning the training has within the realm of what you need done uh, the better you're going to be able to perform moving forward and that goes for recreational athletes you know this could be our, our recreational hockey players around the league men and women it could be are developing guys. And certainly you're going to be doing this with some of the collegiate and pro guys. So I love the, the breadth of application here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And like you, you said too, like the, just the, the old male rec hockey player, the, you know, if you're, if you're a guy that finds yourself out there with only seven guys showing up, it could be great for you to get out there and do some stairs. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Excellent stuff. <laughs> yeah. Excellent stuff, Joel. No, really appreciate that. And all the work you put into this, cause it is a great read again, everybody, you can get that at prohockeystrength.com. All right, Joel. Hey, thanks for this conversation today, man. We're going to be looking forward to doing maybe a, a, a couple more um, off season hockey shows coming up here early in the summer as we help everybody get prepared for what we're hoping will be a fairly regular competitive season coming up. Um, that being said, Joel, any, any closing remarks for the parents, the athletes, the coaches, and even the associations who are listening out there? Uh, you know, the, the only other thing I was going to say there, Jeff, is like when and talking about this uh, a couple like a couple points throughout this conversation and in that article where, you know, you mentioned how 
you know, the sports specific, uh, sports specific side of things, um, how you need to pick and choose different times to do very specific stuff. Right. right. So it's like the one thing. And uh, like I talk about this in the article where I can lay out an actual plan that you might want to follow. It doesn't need to be to a T with it, but it's like earlier on when you're when you're in an off season and you're a long way away from a competitive environment again, which we found ourselves in the last few years, that's always the best opportunity to work on those very general fitness strategies like just just trying to get a bit stronger not worried about what you're doing to get stronger but just getting stronger maybe getting a little bit more muscle put on things like that right and then as you transition closer to when the season's going to happen that's when your training wants to get a little bit more specific and and some of those things that we've talked about in terms of you know doing more lateral work so if, if that's on the stairs or uh you know doing some some speed specific type of work for your hockey but just trying to transition into a more specific type of training as you get closer to the competitive season and that becomes even more and more important as players get older and reach more of that elite level and have a higher training age right obviously when when we have the younger population i've always strongly felt that you know their training can be very general in the sense that they're 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 young they have a low training age they haven't been exposed to a lot of it yet so a lot of different things are going to work for them and usually one of the best things to the best bets with the younger population is is trying to get strong trying to get strong and doing everything the right way focusing on quality not quantity yeah i love it that is the ebb and flow of athlete development joel love that for sure Excellent conversation today, Joel. Hey, listen, uh, thanks for this. Thanks for the work. And I look forward just to staying in touch as we uh, talk off-season hockey here over the summer, Joel. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks again for having me on, Crush. It's always a pleasure, buddy. All right, Joel Jackson from Competitive Thread, everybody. Some real sound advice right there as we head into a summer training season for what we're hoping is going to be a regular competitive season this fall. Listen, we have got to address this properly. Some really, really good advice. And the information on stair climbing and the use of stairs as a cross-training tool for hockey players, so, so smart. We've been doing it for years, but we've never really had a breakdown of the data, the biomechanics, and the training stimulus uh, like Joe's presented here. So we'll put a link to his article on all our social media, so keep your eyes open for that. Uh on Twitter at Jeff Crush and on all the other social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, everywhere. Search out Crush Performance. All right, when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion on summer hockey training as we climb out of this COVID madness. We'll talk with Doug Crashley, the founder of Crash Conditioning in Calgary. We're going to talk about the impact of missing an entire competitive season and what we need to think about there. We're also going to look at the balance between training the athlete and training the player and it's all right after this on crush performance stick around everyone if you have any performance questions comments or smart remarks text crusher at 10 12 60 and follow him on twitter at jeff crush now here he is the crusher
Welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Grishel. Thanks for hanging on over the break. Listen, we're into a very important show today. We're talking off-season training for hockey in an unprecedented time. When have we ever missed an entire competitive season and then some? And then hopefully, if things go well, heading into this fall, we're going to have what might be a normal hockey and sporting landscape. Well, we can't prepare like we've normally prepared. It's just not possible. That being said, we've never dealt with this before. Now, listen, we've had athletes who have been injured and missed seasons. We've had surgeries where we rehab guys over years to get back to a competitive landscape. But we have never had everybody miss a competitive season. Not only does it affect the players, it affects the teams, it affects the entire developmental pathway. There's pluses and minuses, as we've talked about through this COVID downtime, the positives being, hey, we can focus on things that can make us better players and better athletes. The downside, we don't have that competitive drive, that competitive um, environment that's going to give us that feedback we need, but also give us that experience that helps us develop and push, push the limits of our abilities. Well, we're continuing our discussion right now with Doug Crashley, founder of Crash Conditioning. Doug, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it as we get set for what might be an actual off-season. Well, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. And again, I apologize for my uh, raspy mask wearing for the last year voice. <laughs> hey, it's been trying for everybody. And, and nobody more crash than maybe the the athletes themselves and i'm talking the grassroots kids who are passionate about sport who who had a, an entire year and a bit taken away but maybe even more so um the the pro guys who are on the bubble or on the cusp of making it to the next level and certainly the pro challenges across the the athlete bandwidth wasn't there yeah i don't think it matters the level the age let's be honest it doesn't matter the sport it's been a difficult run of time for everybody trying to stay focused, stay motivated, you know, not lose their edge. And I think it is, it is going to be a trying time moving forward when we get to whatever they want to call, maybe the new normal, whatever you want to call that, the normal, is that who is able to rise above and who's going to have a hard time getting into the new normal and, and get going and then be motivated. And uh, I think that's going to be a big one. It's going to be an opportunity, though, for players to go right from scratch, start from zero. Here's my chance to define who I am, whether it's a band, I'm a midget, a hockey player, a volleyball player, or, you know, a soccer player, like everybody's going to have to scratch from zero and they get that opportunity to define who they are as an athlete. Oh, that's a great perspective, Crash. You know, I, I, I really do appreciate that because, of course, this is an unprecedented time. When have we ever had, well, pretty much everybody miss an entire season and then some? Um, it basically is a blank slate. I like that you're, you're positioning it like that. Yeah, I think uh, over this last little bit, like all of us and anybody, I think, you know, I've seen it in the highs and lows, the positives and negatives, but the real positive it is you realize it is an opportunity and an opportunity like at everything in life comes from more likely somebody, somebody taking a wrong step or a back step. And that's your opportunity to step forward. That's, that's the reality of life. And, uh, and that's the reality of, of sport and competitive life. So I do, I do believe there is a chance. So if someone who's, not quite where they thought they wanted to be when, when we all got shut down, despite the last year and a half, some played, some didn't, whatever it is. It is ground zero. So you get to define it by the work, the focus, the self-belief and the preparation. We're talking with Doug Crashley, founder of crash conditioning in Calgary, Alberta. 
Hey, Doug, you guys founded that program down there uh, well, a, good, a good few years ago. It has really, really been established and is recognized as one of the top hockey conditioning programs in the world. Congratulations for all that. But um, going into COVID, dealing in COVID, but then maybe more importantly, um, you know, you guys have been around the game so long for hockey players. And of course, as you mentioned, this resonates to any sport. What are some of your main concerns as we head back into an off season and what hopefully fingers crossed is going to be a regular hockey season, a regular sporting season right now. Cause you guys have, you guys have seen it all except, except for this, this is new for everybody. Yeah, this is uh this is new by the day. You know, my, I would it's something we talk about and we have been talking about quite a bit lately in a normal year, let's call it a normal off season. Most minor hockey players will start their off season somewhere in the month of April to the beginning of May. With that said, the pro guys look different. They'll start somewhere between the beginning and the end of May, or if they're playing into the play, you know, late in the playoffs, it changes everything as well. But you know, generally speaking, on whatever date today is in June, we've we've been well established into our, our phases of training. I've always asked people, you know, when you have a chance at the end of the off season, let's start the off season by getting off the skates. Let's not skate for a couple of weeks, up to four weeks, no skating, become athletic. Give your ankles a chance to get mobile, get your body, your hip, and then just be athletic and, and sort of allow your hockey to kind of just relax. Well, there's a big concern now is one is we haven't had that really true training period. Maybe use it. We have people training at home. You have, you know, are able to do that kind of stuff. It's not the same as being day-to-day under, under instruction, under supervision of professionals. So my big concern is, is first is, is we're not getting that big base. You hope you get a chunk of that base by the things that people have done at home. I mean, we were using the Crash app to conduct. It's been great. Other other programs using different apps. I think we've all done our best that we can to help virtual training go forward, the Zoom and all that stuff. But my worry now is all of a sudden the rinks open June 10th. And normally June 10th, you'd be like, yeah, just a little bit of ice, slow return to ice. You begin your return to play, just like you'd be coming back from an injury. You add a little bit of volume, you give it rest, you add a bit more volume, back to rest, then even more volume. And then when we get into like late July, early August, we start increasing the intensities. My concern is going to be is that all of a sudden June 10th opens up and boom, the world is going crazy. We need to be on the ice. We got showcases. We got camps. Uh, as a business, as a lot of us, we're all going to try to make up for all that lost revenue. See all these hockey programs, get all this extra ice. And all of a sudden now people are putting the training or the athletic kind of building blocks down the level on the priorities. And I believe that's going to have a negative effect on one first and foremost performance and ability, but also the ability to stay healthy and, and be be able to maintain their game and stay away from injury. And then you're also going to have players that maybe they're going to stay so much this summer. Maybe instead of hitting the wall in you know middle to late December like most do, maybe it's middle to late November and we start to hit walls early, and that has a negative effect on next season. So we're doing our best, and we've talked about it a ton. How do we manage and maintain the focus on proper training steps and progressions? And the big one is we have to keep telling people, don't worry about what we missed. Let's focus on where we're going. Let's look forward, not back. Oh, I love it. And that is just sort of such an important principle in athlete development. Too many times athletes will miss something because of injury or distraction or being sick or travel or whatever it might be. And then they try to jam it in and make up that lost work, hoping that they don't lose a step when actually they're probably setting themselves further back. This is a big one. We're talking with Doug Crash, the founder of Crash Conditioning. You could check out their great information at crashconditioning.com. You know, I was really excited on two fronts, Doug. One was, okay, we've had some time off. Um, 
maybe all the old injuries and every nagging, uh, uh, you know, bump and bruise, that'll be things of the past. So we won't have to deal with any of that. Number two, the second thing I was kind of uh, uh, excited about is, hey, we've had this unprecedented downtime. Boy, oh boy, if our athletes are focusing on things that make them better athletes that can eventually maybe lead to making them better players, we could have a potential massive spike in the talent pool coming up here. But maybe that's all of sort of clouded over by what you just talked about. Um, just really getting back to action here in a proper sort of well thought out thing. I mean, I, th- I agree with you. I think there's going to be a mad rush and that's a huge word of caution out there for everybody in sport, right? No, I, I think it's, it's a very, very fine line, very thin line we're walking on as, as professionals, but you know, for myself, I have kids that are playing sport at 16 and 14. So as, as a dad, I can follow the same salmon run as everybody else. And, as a professional, I see it and go, okay, what, you know, where, where is this going to go? And so it is going to be a really defined line of how well we handle the return to play and the effects. And then we don't know, like you said before, this is unprecedented. This is something that anybody can prepare for. There's no previous kind of track we can learn or books we can learn off this. This is all new, but how well we manage this return to play is going to have more than just, you know, more than just the immediate impact, but also might even have a long-term impact. And we could have a great spike. I thought last year, in all honesty, last year in here in Alberta, when we got shut down in March, when we got opened up. I actually thought, you know, this might be the greatest thing to ever happen. We all had a lot of energy. We were doing outdoor training when we were allowed. We're, training was going great. Like I look at last year's numbers and we actually had incredible performance indicator numbers from jumps to sprints to just growth. Despite it all, I'm like, this is, this is awesome. Like this time off actually a huge, was a huge advantage. And I saw some players that I thought took um, immaculate steps, especially in that U15 Bantam age, the midget age, but even some other guys. But, but then some players I also noticed weren't as motivated, had a hard time, had a hard time, you know, being being all in. And I think that was a hard step for a lot of them. But this year, I worry about with these last little bit and the way this, the way the winter's gone. I do worry about uh, young athletes all the way through and, through and keeping them motivated, and then also where they're physically where their bodies are. I think it's going to be good. I, I truly believe that, but it's going to take a lot more caution and, and careful programming and planning as parents and as, uh, you know, and as, as athletes, but also as professionals, make sure we don't overload these young bodies that still need to be developing and going. Yeah, no, that is such a great point, you know, and for anybody who, you know, doesn't live, eat and breathe sport, they might not be aware of something like that. Just the, um, um, the motivation factor, because listen, we've been away from it for so long. You know, there was a point where we were excited to get back. And then this thing dragged out so long. I think a lot of young athletes and parents, coaches, everybody kind of got dejected. And now we've moved on to Netflix and, you know, gaming, and we've gone on to other things to, to fill our time. And we've gotten away from that camaraderie of the team and that, that progress of skill development. So I do think you're right there. That's a really good point, Doug. You know, the the conversations that we might need to have about, hey, it's time to get ready uh, for, for sport again. I, I really like that. Yeah, and I think it's really important for coaches to be as engaging with the individuals they've ever been. And for coaches of minor sport, coaches in a setting like ours, um, skill coaches, hockey coaches, whatever coaches in sport, it is very important that we remember the individuals and, and the humans as a priority, not put them through the, here's our program. So I was going to go, but Hey, how are you doing today? And finding ways is because you're going to look at kids in the eyes and be like, Hey, you know what? They don't look that motivated to be here. And it's going to be your opportunity to change their life in a positive way and taking advantage of that. It's, it's a responsibility, but taking advantage of that opportunity to help somebody 
it's been a difficult time for kids. I've seen it at home. I, like I said, I'm, I've got my own kids and I've, I've seen the ups and downs of it. And I see that all the time and I'm checking in on our, our athletes. And, and I think it's really important as coaches at all levels and all, all types that we really take the extra time and go above and beyond. That includes the governing bodies of sport, making sure that, you know, we manage what's happening in sport, but we also go out of our way to really regrow that passion. I think the passion key is going to be a big one. Oh yeah. Such a great point, Doug. Such a great uh, point. Hey, one thing I wanted to ask you about, you know, you've been through the ebb and flow of the hockey life for so long at the elite level, grassroots level, uh, but you guys have really formulated a unique approach to developing hockey players, you know, based on where they're at, their individual prowess, but you have some really cool things going on down there. Uh, One thing I really wanted to ask you, Doug, was your impressions of what missing a competitive season is going to be like? I mean, I can't even imagine this. Now, I've seen athletes who've been injured with a knee, shoulder, whatever it might be, surgery. They've missed seasons and we've got them back. But when everybody misses a competitive season, you know, we talk about this all the time, even in training camps and testing our athletes. You know, you can prepare for this sport, but until you're out there playing at game speed intensity, um, there's really nothing quite like it. So, so what do you think? Do you have any ideas or have you thought a lot about what it's going to mean to actually miss that season in terms of getting ready for what's what's ahead of us? Yeah, I think we've got a little bit of a window. If you paid attention to the Western Hockey League this year, you got a bit of a window of what that return from delayed time off is going to look like. And I, and I would guess in a little bit that I saw on television and then talking to a number of NHL scouts, number of um, you know the WHL kind of personnel, there's definitely a big gap you had some young players come in and really excel not just the young man in Regina who's a special talent there's there's a really good crop of young players coming into the Western League but you looked and you saw a lot of young players putting up numbers far exceeding expectations at that age at this stage but that but then you also saw those top end players shine you know the Gunthers of Edmonton and our guy Jake Neighbors in Edmonton yeah of course they were good there they just come back especially in Neighbors case you just come back from being in with the NHL program in the American League the NHL comes back to the Western League. The young guys, they're all they're all excited to be there. It's their first taste of the league. They're probably been practicing a little bit or at least involved with their their minor hockey teams from previous or major program, U18 programs. And then there's this real gap in the middle. And I think that's what you're going to see. You know, the majority of that that competitive season loss, where there's, there's a gap in the middle of players that weren't quite the NHL sure things, weren't quite the up-and-coming super prospects, veteran players in the league. And I thought you saw a lot of players in that position have a harder time being their best, not saying they're bad, but they just, they didn't have the same consistency of play or the same impact that they normally would. And I believe that's, you know, you can train, you can skate all you want, but I believe that has a little bit to do with the loss of that competitiveness for that period of time. You know, it's like I said, it's easy for Jake neighbors, first round pick of St. Louis. He's excited. He's motivated. He's pissed off that team Canada didn't bring him to the bubble. For the World Juniors, if it comes back, he's been been there. He wants to prove his point. Boom, he's an easy fix. He was good. You got a player that coming into the league for the first time. He's 15 or 16. He comes like he's excited. He wants to. Prove, he's good. He's good. It's that players in between, the ones that have a little bit less of the the that light that they see, that shiny light, a bit more in betweeners. I think that's what typical of what you have when you lose competitive seasons. You're gonna have big separations between moving forward and being motivated and those who aren't. I think that that's what you might see across sport. It's hard to lose a season. Com- competitiveness or competing is a skill that you have to develop just like your skating and stick handling and, and so on. Yeah, such a great point. And that is 
That is so true. Competition is also a learned skill. We're talking with Doug Crashley, founder of Crash Conditioning. Again, you could check them out and all their great information at crashconditioning.com. Hey, Doug, that, that's a really good point. And, and again, that's just food for thought for everybody from grassroots right up to the elite level as we head into this summer and things look really, really promising for what we're hoping will be a normal fall and competitive season coming up. Hey, one of the things that you kind of mentioned there in, in our conversation um, and one of the things you guys do really, really well down there at Crash Conditioning is, you know, getting the guys prepared for the game. And, and maybe just as we sort of wrap up the conversation here, we could talk a bit about what your impressions are. You know, the athlete and the player, they're very two, two very, very different things. You know, we talk about athlete development for playing performance. We talk about, you know, working and developing in all the areas, which is, which is you know, when you get into sports science, a really, really massive undertaking, you know, in developing athletes to make them coachable players. And there's a huge huge uh, collaboration there, isn't there? But, but you really do need to make sure you're, you're addressing the athlete. And I like what you said about your approach to the off season, shutting it down so you could become a better player, right? You know, I, I believe, and I, I use the analogy of building, you know, you always hear about building a house, a foundation, whatever, but I believe the athleticism is sort of your framework or your framing of a house. And then the hockey on top of that is, is basically the outside, the siding, you know, a great, we, it's shown quite often in, in research and we see it all the time a great jumper and the ability to produce force in their lower body and, and link movement will also translate to skating. And you see great jumpers. Our best jumper is a kid in LA, Austin Wagner. He jumps out of his shoes about a 40 to 43 inch vertical on a jump mat, which is obscene at any level. He's also one of the fastest guys in the game of hockey. He, other, other parts of his game don't translate to that, but his jumping translates to skating and that athleticism and the springiness and the ability to move, they all translate. And then, yeah, and I think you use the term coachability. I think that's part of an athlete's toolbox. So I like that. I like to think of that as part of being athletic is how coachable you are, how well you react to that. And then I think all those pieces, you, you build the framework, the, the, we'll call it the foundation, but also the framework of that hockey player. And then you put the hockey on top of that, like siding on a house. And now you get all the prettiness of that house and the, and the windows get sealed and so on with the different skill set and the skill development and, the, and that hockey specific IQ. But I believe that that's been our, our strength with our program and a lot of other great programs is when you start to key in on the athleticism and build that foundation, you can definitely, you can potentiate or bring out more of that hockey player's ability and those with that, with that spectrum of thinking of like, and I use the other analogies, they're all different spokes on a wheel and, and the nutrition is included in that and the different attributes they develop and you need to have them all pulling equally, but developing equally to be a strong tire. Oh yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, image you create there. I love that stuff, Doug. Hey, listen, um, thanks for this today. This has been really, really great. And I am so excited, like everybody else in sport, for the return of what's looking to be a fairly normal summer as we head into the fall. Hey, Doug, one last uh, thing here, just as we close, you know, we have a ton of parents, we have a ton of athletes, coaches, even administrators and organizations listening to the show. Um, Maybe just some final words from you to maybe sum up the message or a message you'd like to send as we you know, head back into this summer season of training so we can get ready for the fall. I think the big thing, and I mentioned before, I think the most important thing that, that we can do is move forward in a positive manner and don't panic about what we missed, but really key in and make a plan starting with, you probably should already start, but starting with today and how, how do we want to get to where our next goal is, but then think big picture. Don't, don't lose track, especially with young athletes. Don't use, lose track 
it is a combination of a number of goals towards big plan and make sure that you have big picture you make sure you have small goals and you cannot change what we missed you can only do great tomorrow and today yeah i love it doug thanks so much for the conversation today hey we're really looking forward to uh following your guys and hopefully have you back on the show here real soon thanks so much oh love it thank you very much we'll hopefully talk to you soon okay everybody there you go we have to wrap it up unfortunately man we could talk to both of those guys for hours at a time. We have to thank Joel Jackson from Competitive Thread and Doug Crashley, the founder of Crash Conditioning, uh, for joining us today as we talked a little off-season hockey. How refreshing was that? We unfortunately didn't have enough time to air our entire conversations with Joel and Doug, but that'll be coming out this Wednesday on our podcast. If you want the full discussion, you can get it there. It's worth it. Trust me. And listen, if, if, if you don't play hockey, there's still a lot to take away here, just in terms of philosophy and approach for this offseason. It doesn't matter what sport you're involved in. So much to take away from, from these two conversations. Listen, it's been a trying time for everybody. And a couple of things that I really like about what Joel and Doug uh, mentioned here are just the theme of, of getting back into it, the spirit of getting back into the ebb and flow of the off-season, the pre-season, the in-season, the post-season, and the off-season again. It's a beautiful thing, but we're in unprecedented times. We didn't have an in-season. Imagine that. So lots to think about here, whether you're a hockey family, hockey player, hockey coach or not, regardless of your sport. Lots of things to consider. Again, I have to thank Joel and Doug for joining us. Okay, everybody, next week, another massive episode of Crush Performance as we kick off a three-part mini-series looking at talent and talent ID. If you're new to the show, we have two major themes here in 2021, talent and talent ID, and the Crush Brain Game. We'll be bringing to you these little mini-series over the course of the year, talking to experts from around the world who focus on certain and very particular areas of these topics. And this mini-series coming up, ladies and gentlemen, for me personally, is a must-listen. We put a lot of work into connecting with some of the top people in the world who study these topics. And this Talent and Talent ID mini-series that's coming up is no exception. Next week, we're going to talk with Dr. Nima Daganzai, Athlete Development and Talent ID Specialist, who is currently working with the Australian Paralympic Society. He has a serious background in talent development and talent ID. And we're going to talk to Dr. Degonzai about the difference between talent and skill and the difference between skill development and talent development. We'll also talk about developmental timelines and we'll talk about skill acquisition and the position of a skill acquisition specialist. Then in our next episode, we're going to talk to Lou Farah, sport researcher at York University, who specialized in talent identification, scouting, and recruiting players. His work has been focused on the NHL draft, and this is going to be a fascinating discussion on how we go about selecting players and what traits do we value. An important conversation for everybody. And then to wrap up our mini-series, we're going to talk with Dr. Alex Roberts from La Trobe University in Melbourne, Australia. Her specialty is sport and exercise science and sport coaching. We're going to talk to her about her latest research paper, which is titled The Coach's Eye, Exploring Coach Decision-Making During Talent Identification. The selection process is incredibly important, and I think we underestimate the importance of the coach in terms of the environment our athletes are in and selecting athletes into those environments. Do we support our coaches enough, and do we support them in the right way? I can't wait for this mini-series, and it all starts next week. I hope you can join us. 
All right, that'll do it for today, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Now get out there, stay safe, go have some fun, but most of all, get better, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Crush Performance as we kick off our mini-series looking at talent and talent ID. We'll talk to you then. Goodbye now. Don't forget to ride. This is a Rock Stops Here with Rock Riley Quick Fix on Radio Influence. He is a five-time world champion. He is the magic man, Antonio Tarver. He is also training his son, Antonio Tarver Jr. Antonio Tarver Jr. got a late start. He's learning from his dad. He's always been around the boxing game, but he had other interests. And congratulations to Antonio Tarver. He's going into the Florida Boxing Hall of Fame. He was in the Rocky movie. Very interesting cat. Here, right now, on the Rock Stops here, the magic man. Antonio Tarver. The Rock stops here with longtime radio and TV personality Rock Riley is found anywhere you find podcasts and radioinfluence.com.